You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lintonello. Uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Mm-hmm. All right. How you so doing, Tom? Uh, everything is uh, peachy up here on the mountain. I've got my frosty Dr. Pepper at hand. We uh, have sunny skies. Birds are chirping, and uh, eh, it's probably going to be about 80 degrees today. I was hoping for, like, 73. That's, that's my favorite temperature. So uh, yeah, probably going to do some work on the car today. Nice. After the show today, I'm heading over to uh, West Knoxville. It's the, the Eastern Lincoln Regional show. of the Lincoln Owners Club, yes. Lincoln Continental Owners Club, and uh, it's at the Holiday Inn off Cedar Lane and in West Knoxville. It's only like uh, 12 miles from my house, so, you know, might as well go and check it out. Also going on today is the big Pontiac meet in Pigeon Forge. Over 300 Pontiacs were registered, and at the same time, down the, literally down the block from the Pontiac show in Pigeon Forge is the Mercury Comet meet. I mean, just so much stuff going on in this area. It just blows my mind. But, uh, yeah, I want to check out the Lincoln Show today. That'd be nice. Something different, you know? Yeah. You, just, you never know what you find going to, you know, some of these events. And you talk to some of the owners, and, you know, you may find an original owner or somebody who's owned the car a really long time and driven it lots of miles or they restored it. There's lots of great stories out there, but you got to go after them, you know? So, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, should should be a great day for it. If you uh over there at the Lincoln uh show and you see a sort of a mocha brown uh seven I think it's a seventy Mark Three guy by the name of yeah. Gary Siebert. Tell him I said hello. See All right. The, the brown Mark Three with Jerry there. Tell him hi. The uh yeah, it should be a really good Really good show, and of course I, I like Lincoln's. Of course I, I like everything, but I have a, I have a sixty uh, convertible, and uh, have a uh, forty nine uh, ninety L, the baby, baby Lincoln coupe. Yeah, Lincoln. Uh, some cool, those are nice. cool stuff. Lincoln built some great stuff. They did, and uh, you know, just about everything that they built. That you know, of course, they changed body styles in '61, all the way had that through '64, and then '65 to '69, a little bit different, and uh, they had just great cars during that time period. And then the Mark III, yeah, Mark III came along. That that '49, you know, and those Cosmopolitans of those years with those. Frenchton headlamps, you know. They have a very distinct style, you know. Very unique looking. I mean, it doesn't really look Lincoln-esque, but I think it has a wonderful look to it. And uh, speaking of Lincolns, maybe I'll find one of my favorite Lincolns at the show today, 54 Capri. Uh, As you know, I always like those cars. 
So uh, I know yeah. if you weren't so cheap, you you could own one. Somebody told I me know. where uh, where where one was a, a, a solid example at a bargain price. What is that? It is. You know? you know, look, I looked at those photos and I looked and I said to myself, I'm so knee deep in the restoration of my triumph. It's like. I just don't have the time. <laughs> I just don't have the time. Well, you know, I guess if I was 35 and I had the time looking ahead, I would would have jumped in it and bought the Lincoln. But, uh, you know, too many projects, too little time, too little money. That's the way it goes. Yeah, I hear you. Well, you know, finish the triumph and then you'll wish you had it. I'm, I'm just telling, just saying. The, uh, you know, of course, you are getting up there in age, so, you know, got to be careful. <laughs> All those restorations at your advanced age, you know, you're starting to get brittle, kind of like the cars. <laughs> yeah, I got to keep an oxygen tank under the car when I work. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, so, uh, gosh, you know, time is really passing quickly, too. Um, you know, in another, what, less than four weeks now, three weeks, uh, we're going to be in Auburn, Indiana, you and I, at the AACA Central Spring Nationals there in Auburn. That's going to be a really good show. Um, always have a very consistent turnout up there, usually 300 cars. And then, of course, you know, you've got the early Ford V8 Museum, Auburn Court Duesenberg Museum. <clears throat> so much, so much to see, and so much to do in such a, you know, concentrated area. So yeah. I, I'm actually hope, I'm actually hoping to get up there a little earlier and head to Livonia, Michigan, and pick up a little surprise and then <laughs> hit, hit Auburn on the way back so anyway we have a little surprise coming and it's a good surprise too so are, are you going up to Livonia to go to uh, Tim Hortons to buy me uh, uh, donuts is that why you're going up there if so, that's really nice. Well, Thank now you. you got it. You know, I'm going to meet you in, in Auburn at 7 a.m. with some fresh uh, fresh Tim Horton donuts. And I, I might even, like, bring, bring you a breakfast bowl to go with it. How's that? Yeah, well, when, when, when you go to Horton's, I want the uh, Berry Explosion Muffin. Oh, my God, it's fantastic. So uh, <laughs> give me at least three. Oh, it's better than scattered, smothered, covered, and 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 chunked at the Waffle House, huh? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But oh. yeah, Auburn's going to be a blast. If if you've never been to the ACD Museum, Auburn Court Duesenberg Museum, uh, it must be on everyone's top list of events of uh, museums to see. I mean, the building is absolutely gorgeous with all the marble flooring and the columns, but the cars on display, there's two levels. It's absolutely sensational. It's a must. So if you're a car person out there, you got to go to the ACD Museum in Auburn. Yeah, fabulous. Oh, it's, it's, 
it's a great, great, great show. And we're going to have all these AACA cars there. And um, guess what? It's going to be free. It's free to the general public. So if you can get there, yeah, baby. it's free. So, and we like free. free. And then uh, <laughs> four weeks later, August 10 through 12, Bettendorf, Iowa, is the AACA Zenith Award Competition and Grand Nationals. And that's going to prove to be a really awesome show, too. So I, I suspect we're going to have 400, 450 cars there. So that should be a really great show. Well, speaking of shows, guess where I'm going in July? On the 15th, I'm going up to Lexington, Kentucky for the Keeneland Concourse. And we're going to have a crankshaft booth to promote the magazine to all our enthusiasts in central Kentucky. So that should be nice. Uh, I've never been to the Keeneland Concourse before. I heard it's a fabulous uh, event. It's on a Saturday. Most concours are on Sunday. It's on a Saturday. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and it's very affordable to go to a concourse. So many of them are two, three, five hundred dollars $500. I think this is like, you know, $25, $30 to get in. Uh, so the crankshaft will be having a booth at the uh, Keeneland Concourse in Lexington, Kentucky on Saturday, June 15th. Come on out. Say hello. Bring me donuts yeah. or bagels. <laughs> bring bring some Kentucky bagels. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to love those, I'm sure. The um, Yeah. So, well, and then you and I are going to... Uh, I'm assuming we're still going to be there at uh, wandering around at the uh, AMO American Motors Owners Association Nationals. Uh, yep. There June. on June twenty fifth. Yeah. Yep. So okay, we'll be we'll be wandering around down there because I'm coming down there to get my uh, my free breakfast. So all right, you know, got to drive three and a half hours to get a free breakfast, but you know that's just the way it is these days. So. Yeah, it, it just blows my mind how many events, and I know we've said this before, are in the Knoxville, Pigeon Forge area, Gatlinburg. It's just every weekend there's another serious uh, car show or national convention with vintage cars. It's just the hotbed. I had no idea, you know? So, oh, I know. Yeah. yeah we're enjoying it. so much. So much goes on there. Um, I tried the last couple of years uh, before I was sent into exile from the AACA board, and you know, you so unceremoniously took my seat there. Um, I yep. tried unsuccessfully to get the AACA over there to the Knoxville Pigeon Forge area. So uh, I'm, I passed that mantle on to you in February. So I'm expecting you to get it done. Okay, we'll see what we could do. If people don't want to cooperate, uh, we may have to make them disappear. Capiche? You know what I'm saying? Capiche. All Capiche. we need, all we, <laughs> all we need is a large sedan, a carpet, and a shovel. We're That's done. it. And you got to stand. <laughs> yeah, like the, I do. Contact. Yeah, but that'd be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, boy. So, so last weekend, we 
you know, sorry folks, we got off on a little bit of a tangent. And then it just sort of, you know, branched out from there, of course, <laughs> at the opening. Richard was only really annoyed or irritated by only two things. <laughs> and then we proceeded ah. to talk about everything that irritates all of us, both of us, and that lasted the entirety of the show almost because we really didn't realize how irritated we were, particularly Richard, and I'm so glad because, you know, it was a cathartic experience from him. Uh, his family should pay me because now he's probably much calmer, he's, he's happier, he's smiling, he sleeps well. Um, but uh, <laughs> one thing that I missed <laughs> that yep. popped up on... Actually, this week it popped up on, on an online forum. It popped up on social media as well. And, it, you know, I get so... Oh, gosh, we got to go to a break. I'm going to miss this. I'm going to hold it in. Be back. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, Go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, Contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. And now, back to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. We're back, and we're irritated, okay? But we yeah. promise not to be irritated for the entire show, okay, folks? <laughs> so, on online forums, on social media, you know, you always see these newcomers, Newcomers to the hobby, people who have seen a car on Marketplace or they've seen it on Craigslist or they've seen it in a classified somewhere, what have you, and they're trying to get information because they're new to the hobby. They're thinking, gosh, I'd like to have an antique car and it's going to be a whole lot of fun and I just need to learn a little more about it. I need to make sure I'm not overpaying for this car, you know, make sure I'm getting, my, getting a decent deal, not getting ripped off, and so, gosh, they do what most people would probably do if they don't know someone already involved, they can just pick up the phone, so they go to the online forums on the internet, or they 
go to social media and find a group that caters to the car. And they post a picture of the car they're looking at. They're all excited, and they're like, you know, this is what they're asking. And this is, you know, is this a good price? And my first antique car. And then 90% of the responses are negative. Oh, you should... They, they, they should pay you to take that away. You're never going to get your money out of it. You're going to lose money. Blah, 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 blah. I, every other post is all about how much money you're going to lose, what a piece of junk it is. You don't really need to, you know, restore a car. It's too much trouble. You know, it's like, why are you people even freaking online on these forums? Why the hell are you right. on social media just get the hell off because you know we're there to support the hobby make somebody feel better you can be honest with them and tell them oh no that's a bit expensive that's over the top it's a little rough for the price that's a condition fine of car you probably shouldn't pay that much for it maybe you could get something different oh no it's like Oh, they should pay you $20,000 to take the car away because that's how far upside down you're going to be by the time you get it on the road. Trust me, crazy. I hate it. Negative waves, Moriarty. Those negative waves. <laughs> yes. yes. If you have nothing nice to say, keep your mouth shut. That's the problem with social media. People just hide behind the keyboard. You know, they hide behind their phones. And they know that. No repercussions. So, uh, yeah, you got nothing yeah. nice to say. Keep your mouth shut. That's all. Everybody's an expert, you know. Everybody's an expert, and everybody's very is is negative. Now, grant you, there's a lot to learn out there on social media, but gosh, yeah, everybody they know the value. They know, you know, you know. You stop and think about it when. Somebody goes to shoot around a golf, and they're a golfing enthusiast. And golf is not inexpensive. You know, it, it can cost several hundred dollars to go shoot around a golf, depending upon, you know, where you're going, what course, and so on and so forth. And, and I'm not an avid golfer, but I have lots of friends who are. And, you know, I never hear my friends when they're going to go golf. Like, oh, gosh, you know, I know I'm going to spend $300 to shoot this round of golf but that's $300 I'm not going to get back I'm losing $300 by playing golf nobody ever says that nobody no it's only car people that say that crap and then they sit around and grouse about the fact that the hobby is shrinking it's like come on wake up people quit being idiots and the rest of us should probably tell these people to get lost I'm sorry it just really got under my skin and it's just the sanctimonious manner in which these people, like, beat down all these newcomers to the hobby. It's like, just what are you doing? So anyhow, so it, it really annoyed the, the heck out of me. So that was, well, my, this was my, <clears throat> my moment of catharsis. So are you irritated about anything, Richard, now that we're just, while we're on the subject, before we move on? <laughs> no, I'm just... Just as happy as a little bee sucking honey from a flower. No, I'm in a very good mood today. Uh, 
I haven't seen a 57 Chevy that would upset me in over, you know, two weeks. So uh, I'm doing well. (laughs) (laughs) Don't challenge his delusions or show him a 57 Chevy. He's going to get violent. (laughs) Unless it's a 150 stripped down model. Those are cool. But uh, a Bel Air, uh, so yeah. Uh, outside of that, uh, no, all's well. Looking forward to going see some Lincolns this afternoon, and that's about it. And so, back in the garage. And back in the garage. Yeah, that's 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 where I'm going to head after we get out, get finished. I'm going to head out to the garage. The um, American Motors Ambassador that I accidentally purchased. <laughs> last month um, I've got the brakes back together and then my least favorite thing to do is to find out that somebody left a bunch of ethanol laced fuel in the tank at some point I kept really? thinking I would you know the car had been off the road for a long time uh, 15 or more years so I'm thinking, you know, maybe, just maybe the tank's dry. Oh, no. There's at least four gallons in there. So I, I dropped the tank, and I went to take the sending unit out. And guess what? <laughs> it was gone. <laughs> it was gone. I just eaten away by uh, all that formic <laughs> acid that's in the tank. Awful. Yeah, oh. that's like the number one problem today with old cars is the ethanol fuel. It just wrecks havoc, you know, especially with rubber components inside, you know, fuel pumps and all that kind of jazz inside carburetors. So, uh, like I said, I, we have a mobile gas station just about a half mile from me, and they have uh, ethanol-free gas. And uh, you got to pay four four eighty nine a gallon for it. But, you know, in the long run, it's worth it. It's going to save you a lot of headaches. So, wow, four eighty nine, yowza! The I know uh, Walmart up the road from us, three eighty nine for ethanol free at at the Walmart. Wow, yeah, huh? Still more expensive than the ethanol lace fuel, but folks, I'm telling you, it's so worth it to go out and buy non-ethanol fuel and put a good stabilizer in it Uh, you know it's just like Startron which is my favorite uh, fuel stabilizer Uh, you put that in there non-ethanol fuel you can save yourself so many headaches God, I I just am not looking forward to um, dealing with this so I've got to go look at a parts car that I've got jack it all up in the air hopefully maybe I can just pick it up with the tractor and try to drop the tank out of that and see how bad that one is because literally there's just a nub left at the sending unit it just ate it all the way I've never seen one quite this bad and yet the tank itself it hadn't been leaking which I'm shocked Uh, but I'm afraid you know of course everybody has a different method of cleaning their tanks you know you used to be able to take an old gas tank to a radiator shop and they would boil the tank out just like they do your radiator but 
so many people that don't have radiator shops anymore, and they're increasingly under environmental controls and scrutiny by the uh, departments of environmental quality and so forth. And when those people stop by, they they're there to find something. I hate to say to justify their position. Now, grant you, you know, you don't want wholesale pollution going on, but still, sometimes it's oppressive, and so everybody's leaving that. No radiator shops hardly at all. I don't have one within 200 miles. Um, so I'm going to clean the tank. <coughs> I'm going to flush it out, put some, which I've already emptied all of that nasty fuel out into the appropriate containers going to be properly disposed of don't want anybody to get their knickers in a twist but then I'm going to put some gravel in it shake it all around try to get all the loose scale and so forth out of it and then I'm going to uh, treat it with a solution of muriatic acid and Hopefully that'll be sufficient to get all the rest of the gunk out, get rid of the rust that's in there, and uh, you know I'll have something that's usable by the time I get finished with it. So. Did, did you check out the company called Gas Tank Renew? R E N U. Uh, they have a place near you in Beckley, West Virginia. And I've been there. They renew. Oh, you have. I have. I've seen it work, and it seemed pretty decent. Um, what so did you think about I... Go ahead. No, what did you think about it? Because I, I saw a gas tank they did on a Triumph TR3, and, uh, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't look like a factory gas tank. I thought the coating was a little thick-looking, but uh, the people, I, the, the shop that uses renew to restore their gas tank they swear by it they say there's no problems and uh, it comes back you know as good as new so that's all I know so I've used it um, I had a have a 59 another Lincoln uh, 59 yep. Lincoln Hessendeisenhart uh, um, <laughs> formal sedan and the tank in it was really, really nasty, and so I, I took it over there. But I can tell you, it's not for the faint of heart. Right. At that time, I believe, and that's been a number of years back, quite a number of years ago, at least 10, 10 plus, maybe 15 years ago, uh, it was around $375 at the time. So I can yeah, only imagine now... Yeah. Yeah, because they, they, they blasted back their metal and they fixed the whatever pinholes and they coat the interior, they coat the exterior, you know, all that stuff. But yeah, it's, you know, it's going to cost three, four, five hundred dollars, no doubt. You'd have a stroke, I'm sure. They'd, they'd have to have an emergency crew on, on staff yeah. for you to go <laughs> over there and they tell you, Richard, we're sorry. This is going to be six hundred dollars. Ah, time for a break again already. Since the nineteen sixties, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider. 
for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE, or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783. Or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. And want to remind everybody that following the Classic Car Show, we have the Classic Auto Mall, 360,000 square feet of cars, and they have over 600 cars in there, so stay tuned to the Classic Auto Mall after this. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. We're back. So, uh, yeah, we'll clean that gas tank out. Hopefully it's not too bad, but uh, before I go to all that trouble, I'm going to yank one out of that parts car I just happen to have and see if it's not any better. So hope, hopefully it is. Good. So what, you, what other topics should we talk about today? Well, you know, the one thing I was going to say while I was on the topic of, of working on cars, and of course, you know, you know, don't hesitate to jump in with some, you know, triumph, heroic triumph stories where you've managed to arrest some additional patch of rust before it consumes the whole car. You know, it, it's kind of like, you know, saving a, a, a tree or, or something else, you know, that's got some rot in it, you know, and you, you get it out and you know you're going to save it, you know. So um, I've got all the brakes back together on the car couple of quick things everybody does everything a little bit different but you know when you're doing your brakes folks when you have to redo replace your shoes or your wheel cylinders get in there replace all your springs brakes they're subjected to a lot of heat particularly in my part of the country where there's so many hills and mountains and so on and so forth your brakes really get a heck of a workout and so harder the workout the more heat you generate and you know it has an effect on everything has an effect on your springs and so it can uh, reduce your spring tension and that'll reduce the performance of your braking Um, replace all of your 
all of your springs. I clean everything up on the backing plate, make sure it's nice and clean. I give it a quick shot of paint. Just uh, And I use uh, radiator black, actually, because it doesn't insulate. So, you know, I want to dissipate as much heat as possible. It just makes me feel better anyway. I'm not sure that it's going to make a huge difference, but it makes me feel better knowing that I'm not, you know, just putting some enamel that's going to retain a little more heat. It actually came from the factory that way, so I don't know. I'm probably wasting my time. But the other thing, when you're putting everything together, particularly any time that you're um, putting a wheel cylinder in or, or a caliper, I hear people all the time, they're uptight because they know they're going to you know, cross-thread the brake line when they're trying to screw it into the back of the uh, the fitting into the back of the wheel cylinder or the caliper but every one of them that has had an issue they put the new wheel cylinder in they tighten it up all the way and then they try to screw the fitting for the brake line into the back of the wheel cylinder folks leave it loose leave it a little loose so there's some movement there It'll make it a whole lot better when you go to start it. I mean, seriously, it's a night and day difference to do it that way. So that's just one little tip. The other thing, your brake adjuster, you know, it, you know, it's got the little star wheel on it, and then you've got the two ends that fit into the shoe, um, one of which, you know, comes off usually. Take a little bit of high-temperature caliper grease, and wipe on it and put it back on and then on the threads on the other side screw it out so you've exposed the threads put a little just a little tiny dab of the uh, disc caliper high temperature grease on there and screw it back in that way your adjusters remain nice and loose and they function you know as designed when most of them are designed to adjust the brakes automatically when you're backing up and you hit your brake they're not going to get all bound up and you can brakes are going to continue to work well for years to come rather than getting all stuck up yeah you know uh when you're attaching the brake line to the uh, new wheel cylinder you said keep it loose uh also uh when you are installing the brake line to the cylinder, do not use a wrench. Use your fingers because uh, it should be able, if, if it's perfectly lined up, the uh, threads of the brake line, the hard line, uh, it's, you should be able to screw it in almost all the way using your fingers. Then you use a wrench to tighten it up. If you start using a wrench from the get-go, uh, and if it's not perfectly aligned, uh, you could strip the threads not only of the hard line but also of the, the uh, wheel cylinder, which is usually made of cast aluminum, and they strip very easily. So always do things with your fingers first, and this way you know that it's seated properly, and then you use a wrench to tighten it. Absolutely. You're going to save yourself a lot of heartache because if you, you screw up the threads on the fitting, it's flared you, and it's at a particular length. Typically, not always, but typically, you're not going to be able to just clip that flare off and put another fitting on there and reflare it. 
it, you're going to be too short sometimes. So, and even at that, even if you're able to do that, God Almighty, what a pain in the butt! You don't want to do that anyway. So, yeah, Rich, you're absolutely right. You know, years ago, I when I was doing the restoration of my Triumph Spitfire, I I purchased uh, stainless steel brake lines, and after I installed them and finished the brake system, I had leaks all over. And I discovered from somebody that I was talking to that not only do they have to be installed incredibly tight, but stainless steel does not seat properly because the metal is so strong, unlike, you know, usual brake lines, which is, you know, either, I mean, they use brass in Europe, but, uh, you know, just mild steel will compress a little and it will seat better as opposed to stainless steel, which is so hard, it won't conform, and you're going to get leaks. I mean, I know people use stainless steel lines. They haven't had a problem, but I had nothing but trouble. So no more stainless steel lines for me. Just, you know, mild steel, it works great. It'll be here long after I'm gone. I I agree with you. Um, I don't really see the need for anything other than stock mild steel brake lines. I mean, let's face it, folks, unless you're 20 20 years old and you expect to keep that car for 40 years, you get in there and use the stock materials, it's going to outlast you, typically. Certainly going to outlast Richard and I, so we're not worried about it. We're going to let the next guy replace them. You know, I I blasted my wheels, the original TR3 wheels. They looked perfect, uh, you know. I put them on the front of the car, and I did a, uh, I got my, my dial gauge to, to do a readout to make sure that they don't wobble. And they're wobbling like an eighth of an inch. And they're seated correctly onto the hub. The hub is seated correctly. I just don't get it, so... Now I'm trying to find a uh, wheel straightener or wheel repair facility here in Knoxville uh, that could do uh, a run out on the wheels and straighten them out. Maybe it's just ever so slightly bent. And I did it with four wheels that I have, and they're all doing the same thing. And I know it's not the hub because the hub is spinning perfect, and it's in perfect alignment. So something's wrong somewhere. So it's very frustrating, you know. I mean, life with Triumph is frustrating to begin with, but it's even more frustrating when you're restoring them and rebuilding them because nothing works right. <laughs> I just don't get it. So. <laughs> oh, it's truly a suffered. labor of love. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where we're at. Okay. Well, we'll have... Uh yeah, I'll probably post some stuff out on there, out there on our Facebook page. If you go to the Classic Car Show uh, Facebook page, I'll probably post some pictures of my uh, trials and tribulations with the ambassador. Um, hopefully, like I said, that gasoline situation goes well today. Nothing I hate worse than the stale of the smell of stale gasoline. And everything in the house now reeks of stale gasoline because I've gotten it on myself somewhere. 
I got it on the bottom of my shoe. I got it, 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 it stinks. It takes days to get rid of it. I absolutely hate it. So another topic that we had been trying to cover for the last couple of shows, and it may carry over into the next show. Who knows? But, and that is things that affect the value of your car. And that's a broad topic. It can be everything from condition to demand to all of those things. Um, I think probably the number one thing that affects the value of your car, you know, a lot of people think it's rarity. And sometimes rarity pick plays a factor when it's a high-end, really high-end car. You know, uh, a special classic, a uh, special sports car, race car, something of that nature uh, with great provenance. It, those cars generally worth more just because of rarity. But on the other hand, with your stock and trade cars, you know, Chevys and even the independent makes, Kaisers and so forth, Rarity doesn't really play as much of a big role, unless it was a high-performance vehicle. Then it does play more of a role. Um, but, like, cars that were popular when they were new tend to be popular in the collector world after they're 25 years old. So the things that were popular when they're new tend to be popular in the collector world too like, that has a big like 57 it. Chevys yes 57 Chevy Bel Air convertibles fuel injected there are more fuel injected 57 Bel Airs out there than uh, the general ever built I'll, I'll put money on it <laughs> and and same goes for Tri-Power Pontiac there's more Tri-Power Pontiacs out there today than Pontiac ever built yeah, just that's the way it is. <laughs> but, you know, um, some people say if, if you put radial tires on your car, you're going to devalue it. Uh, no, that's not true because you just unbolt them. You know, anything that easily unbolts and you could switch back to originality, that is not going to harm the value of your car. Uh, some people think that if you change the color to a non-authentic color that wasn't available for that year of your car, will affect the value of it. Uh, in some cases, that's true. In some cases, it isn't, depending on, you know, the color chosen or the quality of the paint job. So, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of variables when it comes to what will affect the value of your car versus what, you know, what won't. But, uh, you know, if if you weld on steel uh, fender flares, you're going to ruin the value of your car because that, that's not easily reversible. That takes a lot of work, you know. If you look underneath the carpeting and you see pop riveted aluminum panels replacing the floor holes, holes in the floor, uh, that's a problem, you know. Uh, so there are quite a few things that uh, will affect the value of your car, you know. I, I see a lot of people in sports cars putting in Miata seats because Miata seats are very comfortable and they're small and they do fit in, in a lot of sports cars. Is, will that affect the value of your car? Uh, only if you got rid of the original seats. You know, everybody wants the original. So if you sell your car and you got me out of seats, but you still have the original seats, 
that's okay because you could easily unbolt them and put in the original seat. So uh, it all depends what it is. Now, what is your view on LED headlamps? Personally, you know, I think they look ugly. Aesthetically, they look really, really ugly on cars. But they're better for driving at night. I mean, and again, that's easily reversible, you know. What's your view on, you know, I mean, would you put LED headlamps on your 49 Lincoln? So, I mean, you I, know, I'm, 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 for once, I'm glad you brought up a, a subject, you know. I, I've committed substantial thought to this. So think about AACA, and, you know, I have for, for a number of years served on the AACA class judging committee where we go through and, you know, determine changes and evolution in the in the judging system in AACA, you know, what we allow, what, how much we deduct for and all that sort of stuff. And, and it is an evolving thing. You know, there are companies now, um, you know, in, in the old, uh, you know, Wagner is, is one of the companies that manufactures the majority of the uh, sealed beam headlights with the uh, tungsten element in them that most cars came came with originally. But you know, um, I, I talked to someone in that industry and they say that, you know, that stuff's starting to go away. And if you go out and you look for it, you can find upgraded uh, LED headlamps or halogen upgrade head, headlamps that visually duplicate the original. In other words, they're molded, the glass, the front of it, it, it looks I never like the those. original. Oh, i never seen those. Yeah. The way you can tell that they're not original is if you really get in tight and scrutinize the inside of the bulb, you can tell that it's tell that it's different. Okay, mm-hmm. but just a, a, a cursory, superficial look, unless you're scrutinizing the heck out of it, you can't tell the difference. And they're much brighter. They're much better. Um, it's like take a. And, and the same thing goes true for ta- tail lights too. Um, I don't know. Think of a tiny tail light. What forty nine Chevys? You know, their tail lights about the size of a magical cover. Um, yep. I bet hundreds, if not thousands, of forty nine Chevys got rear ended because nobody could even see the brake lights because they're so so minuscule. But now you can get. LED replacement bulbs for turn signals as well, taillight bulbs, and they're much, much brighter. Uh, you don't have to go to 12 volts, folks. You can get a 6-volt uh, LED bulb. I think they're great. They're brighter, they're safer, and externally, you can't tell that they're LED. Um now and you don't have uh, to upgrade your alternator, right? You don't have to upgrade your alternator. You don't have to upgrade your generator for more output because they don't use any more power. But right, if they're undetectable visually, I think that's okay. And again, that's a quick, easy change. Yeah, and you know, for the moment, 
we still deduct. Um, you know, it's interesting because within AACA, for instance, we don't deduct if you've added on safety belts. Things that have traditionally that have contributed to the overall safety of the vehicle, for the most part, um, have been allowed. And in my mind, I, I hope one day, as long as the bulbs, you can't tell that they've been changed. I mean, if you get out a magnifying glass, oh well. But, you know, as long as it replicates the original uh, headlamp, I think we should accept them without a deduction. But that's not the case currently. So don't show up at an AACA event and expect to be judged and not lose points if you've got halogen or LED headlamps. Uh, when it comes to the tail lamps, judges can't pull those bulbs out and inspect them, so you can get away with those and be safe, and no one will know know the difference. Um, and uh, if Stan Kulikowski is listening to me, he's 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 turning red. <laughs> the uh, actually Stan's a wonderful guy, uh, but the, he's our VP of National Judging at present. But um, you know, if you certain turn signals are clear and or yellow, uh, depending upon the type of LED bulb that you get, judges might pick up on that. But the, the brake lamps, turn signals, the red ones, they can't see it. So go for it, folks. Um, but, yeah, I'm all, all for upgrading lights. I think it's a good thing. Now, not these projector beam bulbs that are in, you know, all these new cars, those new, uh, they just outlawed them here in Virginia um, because they were too bright. But that's not what we're talking about. You know what I don't like and I think affects the value of a car is uh, you open up the engine uh, compartment and you see an Edelbrock carburetor. And I'm not saying anything nasty about Edelbrock carburetors because they're very good carburetors. Uh, and I've had one years ago. But if your car has an original, let's say, Holly. Why would you go with an Edelbrock when you could send your Holly carburetor to Holly in Kentucky and they will completely restore it and rebuild it? And when you get it back, it looks brand new. So stick with the original. I agree. I agree with you. And a lot of people don't have the knowledge to rejet those carburetors. And more often right. than not, when, when they switch from their stock carburetor, whether it's a Holly or an Autolite or whatever, or a Rochester, um, and they go and they just drop the Edelbrock on there, good quality product, but it may not be jetted properly for your car. So more often than not, you're using more fuel than you need to. You're dumping, you're running rich. And that seems to be the right. problem a lot of times. Right. Yeah, Hop has this rebuilding service that you they will rebuild all their old carburetors and maybe even other brands. I, I don't know about that, but I sent them a Holly carburetor from my uh, what do you call it from my Ford LTD wagon, and it came back. I, I, I swear, I thought the carburetor was brand new, and it, as soon as I put it on back in the engine, I turned the key, started right up, and it ran so smooth. So. Uh, 
Yeah, no need to go with it at all, Brock, unless, you know, you're modifying your car, things like that. So, uh, you know, that's just another pet peeve of mine, seeing. Yeah, um, you know, another thing that affects the value of your car, and I mentioned it briefly when we were just, you know, talking about um, exotic or race cars or sports cars, prototypes, that sort of thing, but it's really true of all cars. If you have, if you go to buy the car, talk to the owner and you there, Rich? Ah, I lost you guys. I think Rich hit the wrong button. There we are. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> Something happened. We're back. Oh, no. <laughs> all right. So, no, I was just saying, provenance, if you go to buy a car, make sure you get all of the photographs, all of the materials, all the paperwork, all of everything. You know, pictures of Aunt Sadie with her 54 Oldsmobile on the day she took it home. Get all that stuff because provenance is value. Um, you know, it's debatable how much provenance affects the value, but even on a basic car, if you have a lot of provenance, people love a good story. If you can tell the story of that car, it's worth money. It's going to increase the value of your vehicle. Obviously, if you've got a rare prototype, factory prototype or something like that, and you can document all of that and prove that it is what you say it is, that's going to make a huge, huge difference. But if even if you got Aunt Sadie's Oldsmobile, you know, and you've got some photos out of their scrapbook and some of the original paperwork, it's, it's going to add value to the car. So make sure you get all of that stuff when you buy the car, too. Yeah, when I sold my GT6, I had every piece of paperwork in a log book from the original owner, because I bought it from the original owner, going back to the day he bought it. Every receipt, every tidbit of, you know, information that he jotted down parts that were chained through the years at what on what day on how many miles and all that provenance is it, it, you know the new owner was just overjoyed getting it that's important I agree the biggest mistake I've ever made in selling a vehicle I had a 73 Ford Bronco and we're getting close to the end but I, like you say, I had everything. I even had the guy, the guy even saved his little scratch pad when he was at the dealer bargaining with them, going back and forth with the sales manager. Wow. He even had that. I mean, everything cool. that, that truck had everything. Of course, then I sold it too soon. I missed the big shoot up in Bronco prices. I, I could have retired now, but I sold it too soon. That's just the way it works, you know? Boy. I did that with my son being tiger. I sold it too soon. It happened. Anyway. It happens. Buy well, Crankshaft Magazine. I'm going to get that in before we go. Uh, you know, good magazines are good. Cheap tools are bad. There's no substitute for good reading material and good historically accurate information. So Crankshaft. Get it, folks. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good weekend, everybody. Get in the garage. Take care. Do something.
Get off the couch. Get in the garage. We'll see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.